Hello once again and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am so honored by your wise decision to join us today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we help folks just like you win at the game of business and marketing. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses, the designers, the strategists, the coaches, the consultants, the technicians, the implementers. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover again how our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also do a check for us on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Fresh content added every week, every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. Now today, we are going to dive into one of the most popular trends that we have on Business Creators Radio Show. We have a number of different tracks, uh, as those who listen every week have discerned, and one of them has to do with publishing your book, becoming an author, launching your book. And here at HelpMyWebsiteSell.com, one of the things we do in my business is we help authors launch their books. So today, we're going to talk about self-publishing your book versus traditional publishing, and you are in for a treat in terms of who I was able to bring on to the Business Creators Radio Show for you. I have for you none other than my fellow Las Vegas resident, Ken Dunn. He's the CEO and funder, founder excuse me, of Next Century Publishing. I'm so excited about this interview, I can barely speak. And he's currently leading the charge in changing the way people write, read, and experience books. After spending 14 years in investigative and tactical policing, Dunn was able to own deep organization and leadership skills, but also spark an entrepreneurial flair that lay deep inside. And throughout his policing career, Dunn was always starting businesses. In 2001, he started a company called KPLJ Investments Mortgage Origination. From there, the business grew rapidly due to its groundbreaking direct selling techniques, which ultimately forced Dunn to leave law enforcement. He wanted to do more than just play his hand at starting other businesses, or do more and play his hand at starting other businesses, so he sold KPLJ in 2005. Now, in the past decade, Ken Dunn has traveled to 40 different countries building sales, organizations, and teaching leadership. Dunn's achievements in direct selling ultimately led him to join the publishing industry, where he has also successfully authored three books, one of which I'm going to be reading this weekend, as a matter of fact. In 2010, Ken Dunn launched Next Century Publishing and merged with Pilot Communications, where he serves as the company's CEO and founder. I'm also very pleased to know that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Ken is a fellow Las Vegas resident. In fact, their offices are located very close to our offices. And I'd also like to mention that Publishers Weekly has called Next Century Publishing one of the fastest-growing publishing companies in the United States. And just through some of what Ken's going to share with us today, you're going to see this revolutionary approach and what we're doing these days with the idea of self-publishing and traditional publishing. So, Ken, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. It's great to be here with you. Right. Thank you very much for being here. Now, the first thing I want to do is, before we dive into the main part of our topic, is for those of our listeners who haven't had a chance to get to know you yet, let's kind of explore a little bit and just 
touch on briefly the journey that led you to where you are today. I covered some of that in the bio, of course, but basically what we're looking for is, you know, what was your draw to the public publishing industry? Yeah, it's been a crazy journey, brother. It's, it's As you said in, in your opening uh, edification, I started my adult life in law enforcement. When I, when I was 18, I was um, being groomed to go undercover. At 20 years old, I, I did my first undercover assignment posing as a high school student. 24, I was on a SWAT team. In 27, I uh, did my first interrogation course. And for the next four years, I honed those skills and ended up being a, ma- a primary interrogator in a major city in North America. And during that time, I interrogated uh, 18 suspects of major crimes and had 17 of them confess. When I was 30, my wife told me that I, I uh, was about to become a dad, and uh, I instantly decided wow. I needed to get out of policing. I didn't want to raise kids you know, under that dark veil of crap that I was dealing with on a daily basis. And I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to give my kids a worldly life and create memories with them while we were all together. But I didn't know what to do because I got into policing right out of high school. So I I had the foresight to to reach out to a friend who was an entrepreneur. Well, it was actually his dad that was the entrepreneur, but one of my best friends, his dad owned a major publishing company, and he was the heir to the throne. So I went to him and said, look, I want to become an entrepreneur. Do you got any ideas? And he said, not really, but... Look, when, when I first got into the business, my dad gave me this book. It's been really helpful to me. Why don't you read it? And, you know, before that, Adam, I wasn't much of a reader. I, I'd read, read a few books here and there. My wife gave me a book called The Wealthy Barber by David Chilton okay. a few years before that I read, but, but that was about it. The book was The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. And it was unbelievable. I read the book in a day and a half. I couldn't stop reading it. It was just... it touched me at a very deep level. What I realized when I read it is that the skills that I had been taught in interrogating people were the exact same skills that Og said were the, were the skills that the greatest salespeople in the world used. So I ran back to my friend excited and said, look, I'm a sales guy. Help me out. And uh, he said, well, if you want to start a business where you're going to sell, why don't you start a mortgage company? We can refer you clients. And I did that. I literally went out and in three years built a mortgage business to over $300 million in fundings. I hired brokers to do all the paperwork. I just generated leads. We were end, ended up being bought by another company, and I got into uh, sales. I uh, got into direct selling, admittedly. I mean, most people think network marketing is silly and doesn't work and hurts people, but I, I made $10 million in seven years, traveled in 50 countries, and started writing books. And um, I had a community of people following me. I mean, if you check me out online, you'll see I've got 30,000 on Twitter, 50,000 on Facebook, and on and on and on. I have. And those, pe- those people, all, Adam, they all follow me because of my sales abilities and my training abilities. And so I just started writing books to help tell my stories. And, and that when, I wrote, when I wrote my first book, I needed a label. So I created Next Century Publishing, and it's grown to the point where I walked away from everything else to focus on it. Fantastic. Now, there's a question that we ask everybody who comes on the Business Creators Radio Show. And the reason we ask this question is not only because I like the variety of different answers 
to the question, but also the variety of different ways that our various guests and our various experts interpret the question. So here's the story. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, as our listeners know, we provide tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs and small business owners grow their businesses faster and more efficiently. Now, many of our guests write to us and say, you know, they have pretty much have everything they need in their business, in their life, to implement anything that either Ken Dunn or anybody else tells them they need to do to grow their business, except for time and money. So, in your experience, how do time and money impact what we're talking about today? How can they potentially get in the way? How do they play a role? Well, Adam, I guess, you know, so... You know, we've been really blessed here at Reader's Legacy. We started this company, honestly, back seven years ago, and then we reincorporated in in Nevada, excuse me, in Delaware, and set up our headquarters in Nevada two years ago because we really wanted to take on the publishing industry. So, you know, in seven years of success in, in this business, I would say time and money are everything. And, and, and and I'll maybe I'll give you a bit of a different perspective on the answer to that question because I'm sure you've had all kinds of experts give you opinions. Yes. I would say that the most important expert of time and money is your stewardship over those two things because they are probably two of the most important dynamics in business. And if you're a good steward of time and money, that means if you take care of your time and your money and you treat your time and money with respect, then you'll lead a successful business. However, if you are a drunken sailor with time and money and you're not a good steward with it, then you'll fail. Uh, Cash flow is king in a business. Everything about a business is tracking your daily expenses, monitoring your daily cash flow, and staying ahead of the curve, keeping your investors happy, keeping your employees happy, and making sure there's lots of money around. You run out of money, you're dead. Time is probably the biggest killer of businesses. Sometimes people that don't know how to manage time overwhelm their staff, their employees, and themselves by creating unrealistic expectations and commitments. Right. And that will inevitably piss off their customers and kill their business. Yeah. I love that answer, and I want to thank you for sharing that with us. That's, absol- that's absolutely great. Now what I want to do is I want to uh, get into some of what we're going to talk about today because I'm getting ready to publish my first book, so it's very timely to have you here. And uh, mm-hmm. let's get your answer to this, the difference between traditional publishing and self-publishing, and how do our listeners know the best method to use? Well, that's interesting. So if we take a look at the history of the publishing industry, the, the traditional publisher, as we know it, has kind of been doing business since the uh, Depression. You know, uh, Coming out of the Depression and the recovery, there was a massive increase in the amount of people writing books. As you can imagine, there was a right. large amount of them that were the stories of what people went through in the Depression. Right. But um, publishers started finding people who wrote good books and had followings and and acquiring the rights to those books by paying an advance on royalties. So the deal was the publisher would pay for all the cost of producing the book, would do all the marketing, would get it into the bookstores, created an expertise in that area. And then depending on how successful you were, Adam, they'd pay you an advance. Now, the deal would say that we're not going to pay you anything else until we make our expense money back, but then we'll share the money going forward. That's evolved into a world that has traditional publishers. They call them the big six. They're 
multi-billion dollar companies. But the problem is, the amount of books that are published every year has grown exponentially in each of the last 25 years. Last year, there was more than 1.25 million new books published. And so there's just mass quantity. So the, the big six, the, tr the trads, the traditionals, can't offer royalties and advances to everybody. And also, it means there's going to be a lot of junk out there. The other side of the coin is that companies like Lulu and Amazon, CreateSpace, and Next Century Publishing have emerged. And we're able to do business incredibly efficiently. And because we actually leave the rights to the book with the author, and we charge the author for the production and the printing and everything. And we still have a royalty agreement on the back end, which means we make money and we still sell the books for the author. But it gives us a chance to, we charge the author very little to produce a book. Um, that's the self-publishing business. Today, there are literally six self-published books for every one trade-published book. And if you take a look at the top 500 books on Amazon, 55 to 60% of them are self-published. So the industry has completely changed. Frankly speaking, if somebody has the cash, they are going to make five times more money self-publishing their book than they will going with a traditional house. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of that are things that I personally have had experience with. And I know there are a lot of myths about, uh, you know, publish a book and become rich. Um, another friend of mine talks about the Oprah effect, like you get your book on Oprah and then suddenly you're going to be an instant world bestseller. Well, unfortunately, most people who go on Oprah don't become Dr. Phil, just because just like the majority of people who go on Shark Tank, even the ones that get funded, don't become automatic millionaires. There's still work that goes into it. There's still positioning and there's still marketing. And what I'm kind of leading to here, is the self-publishing world can be very confusing to a first-time author. I know I'm working my way through it, and I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of things that I thought I knew until I actually started looking into it like this was something that was a genuine possibility of happening. Now, you mentioned yeah. in your book, and first of all, I want to thank you very much for sending me a copy of your book. I thought that was fantastic of you. I'm looking forward to learning how to write a book in two hours. That's going to be great. Uh, or, <laughs> well, let me, inter let me interject there, Adam. You can't write a book in two hours. It's a play on words. You can learn how to write a book in two hours. You can uh -huh. read the book in two hours. I think I can read that book in a lot less than two hours, unless I'm a very slow reader. I've uh, I've had a chance to, so far to sort of thumb through it, and uh, just a few things that have caught my eye already have got me really excited. It feels like you've uh, basically firehosed us in this book. I think it's going to be a huge resource, so I would encourage everybody to yeah, check that book out also, because I think it's going to be fantastic. So I do apologize for my terminology mistake there, because I was thinking, <laughs> how do I write a book in, in, two, in two hours? I mean, I have a lot of the material for my book already, just through transcripts and things I've written before, but I know it's going to take me two hours just to edit that stuff uh, or into a Word document, much less clean it up, transition it, and then write the other three chapters. So I was going to, yeah, so thank you for correcting me there. Now, you mentioned in your book that there are heroes and hucksters. So if you could tell us your definition of each and what positive or negative role they could play in the author's journey. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, um, the reason I started my publishing company stems back to a negative experience I had. When I wrote my first book in 2007, I had a lot of help from a friend that I wanted to bless and, and give him some of the money the book made. And my dad had just died of Lou Gehrig's disease, and I wanted to use the book to raise money for that cause. 
so I went out to the internet and I started uh, checking the internet and and um, finding, looking for the right publisher. And of course, what I found is there's thousands of self-publishers online, and they all say that they're the best in the business, and they all say they're going to do the best job for you. And and it, it's just hard to know where to go. I called a couple publishers, and I found a lady who <clears throat> made it made me feel like she was the real deal, and that she was going to help me. And and of course, I had probably more money than I needed. Well, I did, and that kind of <laughs> made it bad for me. I, I didn't have as much discernment, and I agreed to work with her. Well, she promised me the book would be amazing, that it would be perfect, and that uh, it would it would sell rapidly. And uh, she charged me forty five thousand dollars to do the editing, the proofreading, the layout, the cover, and to print 5,000 books. And, and I didn't know any better, so I thought it was the right thing to do. Then she referred me to another guy named Alex, who said he was the best online book marketer in the world. He was going to build me a website. He was going to do a, a, a podcast with me and post it on the website. Then he was going to email his list of a million people, and the results would be thousands of books purchased. And uh, I, he charged me $25,000, and I agreed to do it. Well, the book came to market with over 200 spelling and grammar errors in it. It was a disaster. Oh, my. And that guy who said he'd sell thousands of books, Alex, he sold four books. I was ripped off. The hucksters got me. And um, I just, it just made me so angry. And I thought, you know, the only way I can get back at them is to redo the book, study the publishing industry, and do it myself. I found a better editor. I had the book re-edited and fixed. I changed the title, the cover, new ISBN and everything, relaunched the book 18 months later. That's when Next Century Publishing was born. And now that book, which is called Being the Change, has sold over 100,000 copies in the last five years. Good on you. And, uh, and that's a huckster. I mean, you know, man, there's all kinds of those charlatans out there that are going to tell you anything they can to get their money, and most often they're stealing from you. You know, I and, and it's the good guys that uh, are always asked to pay for this. Uh, I mean, I have awesome clients in my business where we specialize in product launches. And every so often, I will get a prospect that says, oh, I paid such and such a firm $45,000 to manage my product launch, and they only sold one copy. So I know you're really good, and so-and-so told me about the launch you did where you sold them out, and so-and-so told me about the 200% of the results you got and all that, but I only have $1,800. Will you accept that? I'm like, ah, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah, gonna pay exactly. the bill for somebody. I'm not gonna pay the bill for somebody else's mistake. But uh, all the same, that's what we need to be aware of. We need to be very careful about these promises, which is why I want all of our listeners to tune in to some of the things we're gonna ask next, because Ken is going to reveal a couple things very important that you need to think about. So you need to go about this, and you have the right information, the right framework for figuring out who's a hero. Who's a huckster? What's a realistic expectation? And what's a pie in the sky that's just going to fall and hit you in the face? And what I'd like to, by way of doing that, if you just tell me one of the biggest misconceptions an author might have when hiring a publishing company. I think this is where a lot of people get thrown off track. One of the biggest misconceptions that a person might have when hiring a publisher. Is that what you're asking me? Yep. Yeah, the biggest one is that just because they get a publisher that's going to help them with their book, that the book is going to be successful, that they don't have to do anything. Our team here at Next Century spends a significant amount of time educating authors and clients and letting them know that the success of the book is going to depend on a partnership. 
that, that they themselves have to focus on helping to build the community. Look, we can help sure our team can make sure you've got the most attractive looking Facebook page, Twitter page, readers, legacy page, LinkedIn page. We can make sure they're aligned. We can even help you to create good content to engage your listeners and your readers and your followers. But you've got to go out there and do your part too. You've got to go out there and promote yourself and take your books and give them away to book clubs and go in and speak for free at a book club and, and engage in the marketing and development and promotion of your book as well. And most people who write books aren't willing to do that, to pay the price, and, and they lose. Unfortunately, most of those hucksters that are out there will tell you that you don't need to do that. And they're just lying to you. Right. I happen to know because a segment of my business deals with helping authors launch their books that uh, even if you do a basic house, lit, house launch list or, or house list launch rather to the people who are already in your community, it's a lot more than just publishing a book and saying, I have a book, therefore I am a million seller. It just doesn't work that way. That's one of the big misconceptions that I saw, which is very similar to your misconception, is that uh, people say, well, I'm going to get my book published and I'm going to be an instant millionaire. I'm going to sell 500,000 copies and I'm going to be on Oprah and I'm going to be on my favorite news program of choice and I'm also going to be on Good Morning America all within the next 30 days and uh, and my and, and my mom's finally going to be able to tell her friends what I do for a living. This is going to be great. I'm going to have to answer that question anymore. This is going to be gonna awesome. I'm going to be famous. Yes, but but uh, but publishing the book is just one piece of it. Now, here's something that uh, you know, a few of our readers who heard that Ken Dunn was going to be on the Business Creators Radio Show said, "Hey, when you have Ken on, ask him this: How do you get started writing a book?" And what I mean by that is, people say, "Well, I got to write a book. I got to write a book. I got a book in me." But then, when it comes time to actually start writing this book, <laughs> crickets in their brain. I mean, how do they get started? Right. Yeah, so the first thing that you need to do if you're interested in writing a book is, is to go to learn how to write a book in two hours dot com. Okay. <laughs> that book that we're talking about that you're enjoying, um, and, and not that I don't love you, Adam, but I actually give it away to everybody for free. I, my goal is to give 10,000 copies of that book away in the next year. You can go to learn how to write a book in two hours dot com and, and you, can, you can grab the ebook for free. Or if you want the physical book, it's you just got to pay three ninety nine for the shipping and handling. And I love that. The fourteen dollar book. I love that. And and what you're going to find, Adam, to answer your question, what you're going to find when you go into the book is I've separated the book into three different sections: creation, production, and marketing. Because these are the three phases of creating a successful book. Creation is what we're talking about now. It's the getting the idea out of your mind adding the right content to the idea and turning it into something that people want to read. Now, how you create your book is based on your personality. Florence Littower wrote an amazing book 60 years ago called Personality Plus. And she really did a masterful job of explaining that there's really four basic personality types. They're the phlegmatics, they're the, the uh, sanguines, and the other two which are, I've lost in my mind right now. But depending on how you like to receive information is how you're going to like to give information. And basically, there's three different types of ways to receive. I often ask people, if you're learning new media, if you're learning something new in the news, how do you like to receive it? Do you like to read the newspaper, listen to the radio, or watch television? And, and once we know how they like to receive, then we know how they're going to give. Now, some people can't write. 
some people still need to write. And some people have a better time telling stories than writing. So once we figure out how you like to give the information, then we're going to teach you how to put your book together. If you're a talker, then for gosh sakes, use, use a voice recording tool, talk out your book, get a friend to, you can have it transcribed for a couple hundred bucks, and your book is done and ready for editing. It really depends on your personality type. Yeah, you know what I, you know what I've, you know what I'm doing in terms of getting, uh, you know, our first book together is a lot of it is de facto already written because I have the transcripts of presentations I've done, uh, podcasts where I've been a guest, and one case podcasts where I've been a host, and uh, things along those lines. Um, emails I've written, uh, blog posts I've written that are going to come together into a master document, and my real work is going to be smoothing that out, uh, reformatting it, editing it, turning it into a story, making it interesting, including anecdotes and, uh, and power tips and things like that. But I think what I want our listeners to hear is that uh, if, and this is what I tell people all the time, tell me what you think of this, Ken. I say, if you want to get started writing a book, uh, look at how much you've already done. Because if you're in marketing yep. and you're creating content, there's a good chance that a good part of your book is already done as long as you've been creating the content that you really need to create to grow your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Now, here's another um, distinction I want you to draw from us. I know you talk about in your books. Uh, tell us the difference between a panster, P-A-N-S-T-E-R, and an organizer. And if you're one or the other, um, how will this keep you from writing your book? Well, I think you you can understand that just by maybe not. Panster is a fun little term that we created here in our team. Uh, my editor in chief, my one of my best friends and co-owner of the company, Simon Preslin, came up with that term right. to describe that that disorganized, you know, fellow that likes to have fun, is always on the run, and and just doesn't keep track of himself. The other, of course, is the organized sort of person. And you really need to understand the type of person you are because it's really going to influence how well your book comes together. Right. Okay. Now, um, what are three ways that a writer receives data? Yeah, that's what I was just talking about before. When you're trying to figure out when, how you're going to put your book together, it, it's so much easier for you if you understand yourself, if you know how you receive, because how you receive is how you should give. And the, the simple question to ask yourself is, if you're going to read something, or if you're going to learn something from the news, what's the way you normally do it? Do you watch a video? Do you read an article? Or do you listen to a radio or podcast interview? And based on those three things, it's really how you should give, how you should produce your book. And it's, it's three different types of personalities of people, and there's none that are right or wrong. Right. That That's that's what I want our listeners to hear. So I know I asked the same question a couple different ways, but it's because I wanted to make the point. So in your experience yep. and what you teach – what are the three main processes or phases in writing a book? And for our listeners, just so you know, we're kind of going through a series of questions that Ken asked me to, to ask just because he wants to make sure we get the whole message across to you. And at the very end of this, we have something very special that Ken's going to talk about just in terms of what he's doing with this company and things like that. So for right now, uh, you know, what are the three main processes and phases uh, that we go through when we're writing a book? 
Yeah, so we talked about that a minute ago as well, Adam, but I'm glad we're reviewing it because this is very important to understand. And then I want to talk a little bit about creation and, and, and the difference between creation and production uh, because this will, this will address writer's block, which is very important. So the three phases that you're going to go through in successfully publishing a book are the creation phase, the production phase, and the marketing phase. The creation phase is getting that idea out of your head onto paper to create a rough draft manuscript. And that's really what you should do. The production phase is where you get other people involved to help you. Uh, you get an editor and you get graphic people. And in production, you, you take that book and you have it edited, you have it proofread, you have it laid out, you create your ebook, you create your cover, and you get it registered. It's basically taking the rough draft manuscript that you created and turning it into a book that's ready to print. And then the final phase, which is marketing, that's the promotion. That's building the community. And it's crucially important that you focus on that as well. Now, let me address writer's block because there's a lot of people that are just struggling trying to get a book going. And yes. they never do. And and. and if you, listen, if you read what I've written in Learn How to Write a Book in Two Hours about the creation phase, you're going to have a breakthrough. The biggest reason that people start writing a book and never finish is because they don't understand their own brain. You should never, ever, I mean, I can't tell you the thousands of authors that I've talked to that have been writing and trying to edit at the same time. And they're going to end up failing if they do that because both those two processes, writing a book, creating a book, and editing a book, they take different sides of the brain. If you understand your brain at all, you know that the right side of the brain is responsible for creativity and artistic art, artistry. And, and it's the right side of your brain you have to access if you're writing a book. Now, all of the thought processes, the math, the addition, the lawyer stuff, that all happens in the left side of the brain. Editing a book is a left-brained left activity. And I see so many people that write books and try and edit them and work on the spelling and grammar and sentence structure all at the same time. And what they're doing in writing, they're in the left brain. They're, they're releasing the endorphins, the activities, and they're getting great content out of their head. But the minute they switch over and correct the spelling of a word or rewrite a sentence, they're locking the door on the creativity, the left side, and they're opening the right side of the brain. You can't have both sides of your brain open at the same time. And so if you want to create, if you want to eliminate writer's block, stop worrying about punctuation, spelling, and whether things sound right in sentence or not, and just write. We have another platform called, called Write a Saleable Book. It's a platform that Nick Boothman and I created. We run around North America and do 90-minute free writing seminars for authors. And in that seminar, we say, just write, write in 10-minute bursts of madness. And don't bother trying to edit your work. Right. And, and, and see, that's another thing, too. And you mentioned something earlier, um, and I thought this was very unfortunate, that your first book or the book that you had worked through with that one company went to market with hundreds and hundreds of spelling errors. Well, the fact is, is I have people who are friends of mine, who are clients of mine, who are colleagues of mine, who have launched books, and they had a professional proofreader uh, and everything else, and even then, I still occasionally find uh, a typo or two. I mean, I read history books, 500-page history books um, that were published by major names like Harper Collins, where you figure they probably spent about $40,000 just on the proofreading process, and even they, they have typos, incomplete sentences, missed 
correctly worded sentences that changed the meaning to something it wasn't supposed to be. I mean, it's just impossible to catch absolutely everything. And even after you publish your book, even after you sell your book, uh, no matter how excellent of a job you do, the fact is you're still going to have one or two little typos here and there, and you're going to get that one reader that helpfully takes an hour out of their day to write seven long paragraphs about uh, why you should consider having your book proofread on the next uh, edition, to which case you just say thanks and try and remember when you have it republished. Right. Right. So, um, so my point in all that is don't worry if it's not absolutely perfect, especially during the writing phase. Because think, I mean, here's what I think about. My creativity, in turn, and this is part of the reason why I have to be an entrepreneur, I can't work for a company, is my creativity happens when it happens. Uh, like if we have a, a deadline for a launch or for a, a sales page for me to write to be up or something like that, I can't say, okay, well, on Tuesday afternoon from 1 to 4, I'm going to work on this page. Uh, that doesn't necessarily happen. Uh, from Tuesday from 1 to 4, I have time booked for writing stuff is basically what it is. I don't know who's I'm going to work on because I don't know where my creativity is going to be. I don't know what brainstorm I'm going to have that morning. And I could be out in a swimming pool. I could be out having a cigar. And suddenly a torrent of information comes into my brain. I've been in situations where I've been stumped on messaging for days, and then I'll read something completely unrelated, or my cat will do something funny, and suddenly I'll have the inspiration. That's just how it is. So when you get these brainstorms, they're not always going to happen when it's convenient or when you've scheduled it. And uh, it's not going to pour out of your brain with correct pronunciation and correct punctuation, so just roll with it. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So like I said, we've, we've created a platform called writeassailablebook.com. Yeah. Um, and for you, Adam, specifically, if you go to that website, you're going to see that from the 21st to the 23rd of June of August in Las Vegas, international best-selling author Nicholas Boothman, who wrote a book called How to Make People Like You in 90 Seconds or Less and has sold 3 million copies of it, he and I are actually going to do a weekend writing retreat at the JW Marriott in Summerland. And here's what we guarantee. Friday, you're going to show up at 5 o'clock with an idea in your head, and yep. at Sunday at 5 o'clock, the book is going to be written. We've, already, we've done four of these seminars already, and we've helped people to write over 100 books in a single weekend. And you're going to get to learn all of our techniques for creating books and keeping your mind focused. And basically, the secret is to write in 10-minute bursts of madness where you don't analyze, critique yourself. You just blindly write about what's in your mind. And we've done it. We've helped people to write well over 100 books just in the last year alone in this process. You know, uh, I just want to point out something. I'm, I'm on that website right now, and it looks like you do lots of these types of events at writeassailablebook.com because this does go out on our iTunes podcast, and, you know, the person listening right now, this could they could be listening a year from now. So it looks here like you have a number of different free seminars, weekend events, and seminar dates. So just for our listeners, for their education, they can they, – there are many different opportunities for them to check this out. So even if they're listening later, they could go back and they could find something. Exactly. Okay, great. I just wanted to make just wanted to make that point. I want to make sure there's an evergreen component to this. So, Ken, where does marketing start with a book? So we've got this book written, we've got it proofread and everything else. So where does the marketing start and why? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question, Adam, because it's not the same as people think. Marketing starts with the content. I, I have a keynote speech that I do all the time in the publishing industry. It's called The Four C's to Successful Marketing a Book. 
the first C in marketing is content. The book has to be amazing. Get some freaking great editors to help you with your book. Don't get your friend who's got a literature degree. Don't get your mom because she's read 100 books. Go out there and work with a publisher who has access to book editors, people who have edited and helped to produce best-selling books. The content has to be amazing. That's the first step to a marketing. You want that viral marketing to occur where one person recommends to another. They're not going to recommend the book because you're some swinging superstar sales guy or you're the best blogger in the world. They're going to recommend a book because it's a great read. The second C in successful marketing is the cover. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Your cover has to be amazing. Get out of your own ego and stop thinking that you know what a saleable cover is. Stop thinking about what you think you'd like to have on your cover and get some experts to help you. We have actually analyzed saleable covers and created algorithms and a punch list of the things that needs to be on a cover in order to make it sell. Because if you're lucky enough that your book's going to get into a bookstore, you're going to be fighting for shelf space with a hundred other books exactly like yours. So find out what really makes a cover sell and do it. The third C is your credibility. Go out there and start building a real name for yourself. Don't BS it. Don't go out there and start calling yourself a guru marketing expert. Don't go out there and start calling yourself a world caliber blogger. Because the first thing we're going to do today is we're going to go check Alexa and see how much your website traffic really is. And then we're going to go check Clout and see if you really are who you say you are. And that's the way the world works today. And if you start telling people you're something you're not, they're going to know. And you've screwed yourself forever. Go out there and become a real credible authority on what you're doing. You can learn more about that on um, learnhowtowriteabookin2hours.com. I give people free advice there. The final C is community. You need to have a following. If you take care of the first three C's, the fourth C will take care of itself. And that really is what you need to do to market yourself. Uh, just as a little add-on, Adam, we present books to Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and other bookstores on a weekly basis. And when we go to the bookstores now, what they actually ask us, the very first question has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. 10 years ago, it was, do you like the quality of the content? Tell me what people are going to read. Now it's the very first thing they ask is, tell me what the author is doing to market themselves. Because they realize today that books aren't going to magically jump off bookshelves. It's about right. what that person is doing to promote themselves. Yeah, see, this is where I'm really starting to get excited when we talk about things like this. So your three C's, Ken, are content, cover, and community. Content, cover, and credibility. Oh, credibility. I thought I, thought, I, I, I thought I heard community. I'm sorry. The, the, well, there are. It's actually four C's. Okay. Content, cover, and credibility are the first three C's. The right. fourth C is credibility. Oh, it's okay. The sum total. If you do the first three right, you, then you're going to get the last one. Content, cover, credibility, which leads to community. Exactly. I must have misheard something. I'm just so excited about this topic. And there's one thing I wanted to pull out really quickly, and I want to thank you for saying this, especially when we talk about cover design. Uh, this is what people need to realize. Um, I was told this years ago by none other than Dan Pointer, who anybody in the publishing industry um, knows who Dan Pointer is. And he said to me, I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, and he said, you know, Adam, 
they say that you, that you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, that's not true when it actually comes to books. In fact, is you do judge it by its cover, and that's what's going to make your book saleable to a significant extent. Um, I know this to be true myself because before I fly somewhere, uh, when I get on an airplane and go somewhere, the first thing I do is I hit a bookstore, and I find an interesting book. I don't want to watch the in-flight movie. I probably don't want to engage with my seatmate unless she's really cute or he or she is a very prosperous business owner who could likely uh, launch a product and give me some business. Other than that, I'm really not interested. What I want to do is I want to get lost in a really great book. And I normally don't have a lot of time to pick out a book. So when I'm in a bookstore, I'll typically go over to the history section or the biography section because this is the type of reading that I like to do for my enjoyment. And Really, what's going to jump out at me in that very brief period of time I have is the cover. So I want the kind of thinking that Ken Dunn uses when he helps his clients create book covers versus the idea of, well, i got to put my ego in this. It's got to be exactly this shade of purple or what have you. It's the same in in our business when we manage product launches and we put up the the opt-in page to build the launch list and the blog page and and everything else. And uh, they think that this is like – we show these pages to clients. Now, most of our clients understand they've off-boarded the process to us because they want to spend time watching sports and living life while they get their mm-hmm. book or product launch. So they m- normally don't touch this. But occasionally, we do get folks say, oh, this is interesting. And they want to treat it like they're, uh, they're like they're doing reviews of a website design. And I say, I say, actually, no, we're not going to have this conversation with you because this is not web design. This is selling your product. Uh, you save web design for your web designer. We're selling your product. Uh, we know it works. Exactly. We know it converts. We know it's going to put more money in your pro- in your pocket so that you can go pay your web designer to do this stuff with your website. But we're not going to be doing color swatch matching. We've already done that. We're not going to be um, doing like little word-for-word wordsmithing or measuring how many millimeters the text is away from your picture or something like that. We're just not going to do that because that's not what's going to make you money. And I think our listeners need to hear that. You work with somebody like Ken. And they know what sells. Ultimately, you want to sell books. Uh, Let your ego be the enjoyment you get looking at your bank account when it's all done. Yeah, you know, Adam, I I hate tooting my own horn to the level that we're talking about right now. But look, I've sold 250,000 copies of my own books in 50 countries. I've got one of my books is in seven languages. And in addition to that, in the last year... My company sold over a million books for authors. We've had nine authors hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, and 27 hit Amazon's bestsellers lists. We've got it figured out. Yes. Yes, and that's what we want everybody to hear. You work with somebody who has it figured out. So the most exciting thing to me when it comes to books is marketing them. We're running three book launches right now. And in fact, uh, in fact, we're in the middle of a launch as we were, as we uh, do this interview, where in the past six days, we've more than doubled the size of the person's list. And we have sold more revenue through their shopping cart through the past six days, just through this book launch than they have sold for their entire year up until now. So believe me, marketing strategies are very doable to every listener here, but what can are some of the modern-day book marketing strategies that are going to get people those types of results? Well, like if you if you want to launch a book, one of my biggest pieces of advice to you is slow down. You, okay. you really you need to be methodical about it. A proper launch campaign is seven months before the book launches. 
Okay. Seven months before the book launches, it's a very, very important part of the process. And during that time, you need to build your following, build your community, offer free value, give stuff away, do all of those things. And then once your book launches, make sure that the ebook and the print book are launched at the same time. And on every website that your ebook is is placed, that includes Barnes and Noble, it includes uh, Amazon, it also includes Reader's Legacy. Make sure your listing for your ebook is ninety nine cents, and then go back to your list and tell them that. Tell them that for the next week they can get the ebook for ninety nine cents as part of the launch. Now, yes, you are giving up a lot of money, but you don't get a second launch date. You've got to create everything you can. If you can get that book climbing up the lists, then it's going to bring more attention to it, and it's going to start the process. So don't be afraid to give it away. I, I want to thank you for saying that, too. Uh, the way we typically manage our book launches here is we do the formula where the book is free, just pay shipping and handling. And here are three mindsets that we give our customers. Number one is... The purpose of doing the book is to build your reputation, is to use it as a client attraction tool and to get your message into the hands of many people getting ready to board airplanes as humanly possible. That's the first thing. The second thing mm -hmm. is if you are looking to be a bestseller, obviously you want to sell books. That's the second. And the right. third, and the, and the third, and this is particularly for our service professionals who listen to the Business Creators Radio Show, and we have a lot of people in our audience who are attorneys, accountants, medical professionals, and these are three great types of professionals who really need to write and publish books. If you're selling your book for free, just pay shipping and handling, and some people charge $3.95, some charge $6.95, you just got to look at your numbers and decide what makes sense for you. Uh, by the time you get done charging for the shipping and handling, having the copy printed and published, excuse me, printed and mailed, uh, if you've done your homework right, you probably have about a dollar left over. So you can talk about all day long about getting your cost per Facebook click down to $3.21, or you can get paid a dollar per lead. Yep, exactly. That's how, I look, that's how I look at it, and that gets people thinking, oh, okay, okay. So I, we have a little bit of time left here, and I'm very fortunate about that because I did want to take a few minutes here. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, you know getting our book published, and we talk about getting it out there. And what a lot of our authors do is they use CreateSpace uh, on Amazon. And the reason they like CreateSpace is because they can upload their book, they can do print-on-demand, it's reasonably affordable, and they don't have to do the old thing that uh, was one of the fear points for self-publishing back in the day, which is, well, I got to pony up $5,000 and buy 2,000 copies and have them just sit in my garage and hope to goodness gracious I sell them. Plus, I have to buy 2,000 envelopes and get my niece uh, involved and hope she stays focused enough to do it and every other thing. Uh, but you have come up with a different type of platform and a different type of way of selling books. And I want you to talk about this a little bit because you have come up with a different type of corner on how to integrate social media and community building and some of these other things. And I think from an educational perspective and helping our listeners understand what truly goes into marketing and selling a great book and having success. If you could tell us a little bit about this, that'd be great. Back in August of 2011, my partner here at the publishing company, Rod Larravee, sent me an article. We're best friends. 
he yes. pokes at me all the time for the re- for the fact that I love books. Uh, I've created an entire life for myself because of the books that I've read. I've read thousands of books on business, on leadership, on personal development, on starting companies, you name it. And my books are my most prized possessions. They're housed in libraries in my office and in my home. And when I'm having a good day, I look at my books, I reflect on them, I learn from them, I'm reminded by them. They're like my best friend. And and Adam, you know that that's not a normal story. If I change the word to from my to Adam's or to John's books, I'd be telling the exact same story of a true book lover. Yes. He, he sent me an article that day, and it was a New York Times article, because that day was the first day in history that more books were sold online than off. And all the experts were saying that in the next five years, 80 to 90% of books that were, were published would be and sold would be e-books. It made me sad. I realized that I have a complete love for my books, and I love, I covet my personal library. And I realized that if that was the case, then that experience that true book lovers have with their personal library was going to disappear. And I needed to do something about it. I started having these crazy ideas that I was going to build a platform that was like Amazon meets Goodreads meets Facebook. This would be a magical environment where somebody could go and they could create a page, like a Facebook page, and they could literally virtualize their own home library. Once they created their page, they can click on the add a, but button, add a book button, and they can type in the name of the book, and the book would magically appear in their virtual library. Or they can grab their smartphone and start scanning the barcodes of their physical books, and they would all appear. Every book in the world would have a page, but it wouldn't be the book. It would be an advertorial. So the page would have the cover of the book, the author of the book, a wall picture of the book, a video of the book, other books by the author, a list of the people following the book, the number of fans of the book, and it would have a wall where everybody who loved the book could make comments. And then I said, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well give every author in the world a page and every publisher in the world a page and every editor in the world could have a page. And people who loved books could follow each other, could follow their favorite authors, could tag books, could make comments, could share links on other websites. And then it hit me, Adam. I said, well, if that's the case, then I need to sell books. I need to figure out how Amazon's doing it. I need to sell as many books as Amazon. I need to create a real social media experience for book lovers. So I went out and studied the model, and I found out how Amazon sells all the books. I created relationships with the biggest publishers in America and the biggest distributors in America. And this concept that I told you about launched on June seventh, two 2015. At the time of our interview here, just a few days ago, and everybody who loves books in the world can create a page in this new virtual community. And it's amazing what's happening there. And then we said, how do we add incentives? How do we make this fun for people? We said, it's got to be gamified. So when you're adding your first book or adding your 10th or your 100 or following authors or making posts or following people, you get badges. It's a game. You can pursue the badges, and you want to, because when you get a badge, you also get Litcoins. Litcoins are our virtual currency. It's literature coins. The Litcoins you can accumulate in your Litcoin bank, and when you want to buy a book, you can use the Litcoins instead of real money. Yep, that's right. Just for doing what you do on Facebook, for engaging socially and making posts, you actually accumulate Litcoins that you can use to buy real physical books. Wow. And if you buy books, and if you buy books from readerslegacy.com, you can get litcoins for your purchases as well. See, this is this is exciting because I 
Uh, you know, I tell I tell people uh, I've been trying for years to get my family to stop doing Christmas present exchanges because, goodness gracious, I don't want anything. I mean, <laughs> and 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 all they ever want is gift cards. So when I'm forced to tell them what I want, I just say, load me up on Amazon or Barnes and Noble gift cards because I want books. So what you mean to yep. tell me is with these litcoins, by engaging in social activity and doing things that I would otherwise be doing anyway, I could literally be racking up points in the form of these litcoins where yep. I can buy books? Yeah, Adam, we, we launched this website just three days ago, and just today alone we've had over 300 new users. We've had almost 1,000 people in the first three days start building their virtual libraries. It's unbelievable. This, I, I, a lot of people have tried to build social media websites, and um, you know we we've we've built a social media website that's the same caliber as Facebook, and uh, it's unbelievable what's going on with it right now, and people are loving it. The world of book readers and lovers are finding Reader's Legacy and creating a virtual version of their home library, which will live long beyond them. And in the fun in the time, they're playing with our game and getting lit coins. I like I like that I like that a lot. So I think that's I think that is just absolutely amazing what you what you've done. I really that really excites me. So um, let's say hypothetically, because we have about uh, we have about six minutes left here, and uh, which means we have about four minutes left for the interview. And uh, first of all, I want you to tell me just, you know, what's, you know, tell me again, what's the URL? That's uh, readerslegacy.com where people can check this out. That's correct. Yeah. And so basically what I need to do, I just want to read this back, is um, uh, you know, I create an account with Reader's Legacy. Um, I can add my favorite books to my virtual library. So basically I just find what all my favorite books are and I add them to my library. And then uh, now in terms of buying books through you, I just want to go back one step because this is the part of the interview where we, we usually give our you know give our guest expert a few moments to share with our listeners how they can help. And so I just want to make clear um, – what in what way is Reader's Legacy similar or a replacement or a complement to Create Space? Does this give them the same type of thing where they can have their their cover and their manuscript ready to go, and they can upload it, and they can publish your book through you and order it through you? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happens, and uh, it's an unbelievable situation that we've created for folks that so they're just loving it. So, um, Reader's Legacy owns a publishing company called Next Century Publishing. Yes. And uh, it's unbelievable um, what's happening with it right now. And so um, if you want to work with us, go to nextcenturypublishing.com, publish your book with us, and we'll advertise your book for free on readerslegacy.com. We'll help you sell your books. Oh yeah, that's see that right there is really good. And then you know, and there's something else I do want to point out that you said earlier when we talked about the marketing of the book. Now you gave uh, you gave a guideline and a recommendation that if you are planning to launch and sell a book, that your real marketing work begins at least seven months before open date for that book. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, this is something that we need to think about when we talk about what we at HelpMyWebsiteSell.com, which is my company, uh, as our listeners know, called the Website Conversion Conversation, being per persistently consistent with the process of getting your audience 
to a chance to get to know you. So they find their reasons to like you and decide to trust you enough to give you money or give you an investment. This is why it needs to be happening ongoing because if you decide today that you want to publish a book and there are many ways out there, I mean, uh, I mean, you can... You can learn in two hours from Ken Dunn how to write and and publish a book. I mean, you can learn that in just two hours, pick up his book. Uh, But you can potentially get a book done in a weekend. I have three people who are friends of mine uh, who have courses about basically how to write your book in a weekend. In fact, somebody who teaches a curriculum like that has been a guest on the Business Creators Radio Show. Um, It's great that you can do that. I know that when I go to write my book, it's probably going to take me uh, maybe about two or three weekends in a row where I might just take a few days off from the business and bang that bad boy out. I know it's going to be a marathon where I just get her done. Uh, That's all well and good. But if you can get your book written, proofread, edited, formatted, and a great selling cover done you can launch it whenever you want but if you don't have the community if you don't have the credibility to back you you're not really going to sell it so this is why all the time you need to be persistently consistent with your website conversion conversation because you never know what opportunities you're going to find in front of you right now so i do want to make that point to all of our listeners so uh so ken do you have any yeah so ken do you have any um Anything we haven't already covered. I know you've been extremely generous with your time and the information you've shared. Is there any other thing you want to leave our listeners with as we close up in the, in the next three minutes? Anything that we may have missed? Anything you really just want to drive home to make sure that they get? Adam, our goal is to help people with their books. We're going to change the way people write, read, and experience books. If you want to to work with somebody that has the expertise you're looking for, but within the budget that you have. There's no better option than Next Century Publishing. If you love books and want a chance to engage in a community of people that love books as much as you do, check out readerslegacy.com. I'd love to stay in touch with everybody. My personal website is kendun.org, kendun.org, or you can get a hold of me at either one of the other websites I gave. That's great. And uh, I do want to remind our listeners that when you go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com, all of our guest experts have profiles where you can check out their website, their social media profiles, their biographical statements, and any and all episodes where they have joined us for Business Creators Radio Show. And people do tend to come back. And I can very strongly see a time in the future where we're going to have Ken Dunn back again. Because if the first interview was this great, I can definitely see an encore presentation or another opportunity for us to learn more from Ken. Uh, I look forward to getting to know him better myself. I think that uh, he's given you a ton of information, whether you whether you work with ReadersLegacy.com or you do something else, whatever it is. Uh, you've been given a great set of criteria and you've had some some myths destroyed that will help you have a clear picture when you go into this. So, uh, Ken Dunn, ReadersLegacy.com, thank you once again for joining us today. Oh, thanks a lot, Adam, for having you, and we'll see you here at the office sometime soon. Yeah, you dang right I'm going to stop by. <laughs> so, uh, so, everybody <laughs> listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes just by doing a search for Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>